0: you're listening to the cinema snarks podcast i'm larry and i'm ren and today we are going to tell you how we really feel about the 2022 academy awards and those best picture nominees so it's been about a week that we could digest all that happened at the oscars this year a lot happened. Uh, one of the most talked about Oscars, I would say, probably since at least the Moonlight, La La Land debacle, and of course it fully. eclipsed
1: <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> pretty much anything uh, <laughs> in honesty that the Oscars has ever seen, uh, but you know, last few years, the main story about the Oscars has been how those ratings continued to dwindle away. And, they well, went up this year. A slap brought them back up to <laughs> up a little bit. They were
1: already up a little bit right People People are little already bit, watching it. But, but i really like,
0: think those dvr <laughs> numbers and stuff after everybody like ran to their tvs to like see what the hell was going on when they caught probably news, uh they were like oh my god what's going on on that show i need to turn it on turn it on We need to." Oh my god. plus we all knew uh will smith would be winning best actor that was pretty much everyone's prediction uh not too long after that so even if you missed the the slap moment in real time you were like oh my god okay how is this so, going to go down when he wins
1: i didn't know he was going to win best actor <laughs> so after it happened i texted larry and said oh my god what if he wins best actor and I was like, like Girl, it's a he will conclusion. it's over <laughs> he
0: won he's going to win
1: <laughs> so incredible i mean okay so yeah, I mean that's probably one of the most iconic moments. Chris Rock said it immediately. Great greatest television moments in history. Immediately he went holy shit. I I do have to commend Chris Rock. I think he did an incredible job of keeping his shit together of moving on of taking a breath and not just yeah i mean the show must go on and i think he did a good job of recovering from like like, i mean not only did he get slapped right like that in itself is shocking he got slapped by will smith at the oscars (laughs) while he was on stage in the middle of his performance that's like a whole other level i don't i can't i can't think of anything that is anywhere near this level of Shocking and just mind boggling that has ever happened on live TV before. I mean, I guess there was like the Janet Jackson boob thing, but even that was like clearly planned and was and had a pasty. So it was like, yeah. eh. like, this is just, I <sighs> it
0: was, I thought it was a joke to begin. I definitely thought it was a bit.
1: An unplanned bit. Until
0: Will Smith sat down and cussed him the hell out and they had to bleep it all <laughs> and they were clearly like running in circles trying to figure out what to do.
1: So I this- had to talk about it because we are the Cinema Snarks. This is the hot goss of the uh, entire I will say, show. I mean,
0: I feel like on this show, Ren is a little bit more snarky, but I am the one who advocates violence a lot quicker. So, <laughs> yes, I, am the, um, I am the
1: violence is never the answer person. Uh, I'm, I'm the I'm listen, anybody can catch
0: hands at any time. Let this be a lesson to be prepared. But okay,
1: I, think that's the difference. Like, I may be more snarky, and that is why I'm like, No, you cannot smack me, that's unacceptable. I use my words. I know, see, Ren,
0: <laughs> Ren is that's why she's anti-violent because people be ready to jump up and slap her a lot quicker than they will me most of the time but and i
1: I, (laughs) well at the end of the day i'd rather have a strong mind than strong muscles
0: uh I think, and this week has just been exhausting. If you're on Twitter, it's just been exhausting. Of course, the Academy came out with their bullshit response. Of, we don't condone the violence. <laughs> it's like, uh, like,
1: well, first of all, all of your films.
0: Uh, Second of wins. all, all of
1: the many, many people who are violent <laughs> and have gotten awards, <laughs>
0: like horrifyingly um,
1: violent. Stop, um, Academy.
0: I actually, if this were like a watershed moment i would be all for it if we could just start going through that academy members list and start expelling people left right and center this would be great this would be yeah. monumental in all the right ways
1: the oscars doesn't condone violence at the oscars that <laughs> when- should have been the <laughs> amendment there we can't
0: even say while it's on camera because ezra miller is still a member and he got caught Camera choke slamming a fan to the ground. At so the or they got
1: yeah 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 at yeah no, it's literally Oscars. only
0: at our award show do we not condone any other time. You know, sexually <laughs> no. assault people, threaten to kill people, choke slam them, whatever. That's fine. Just don't do mm-hmm. it on our stage.
1: Right, right, right. No. I mean, okay, I will have to. I do have to say that, like, it is, it is still like the most. It is. It is like this. You know, talk about the ratings going down. It's still the most yeah. televised award <laughs> show for film it's the nfl of movies like there's a lot of people watching all at once which i think was another part of what was so incredibly shocking about it (laughs) is that it was so it was that and it was the fact this is what i keep saying is i might be a little bit more understanding if will smith had been right next to chris rock and then just hauled back and slapped him (laughs) and didn't like think about it but he had so many seconds (laughs) From getting up out of his chair, getting up on the stage, walking all the way over to him and then slapping him, that it was like, that was, there was too much time for him to have a new rational thought in his brain of like, don't do this, man. This is a bad idea. <laughs> and like, whatever you wanna say about like, I I agree, like, let's let's not talk about black women's hair. Let's not give our opinions on it. I understand that like, Alopecia, while not the worst medical condition a person could suffer from, is also fucking horrible. Like, I've, I've had, like, bald patches in my life, in my hair, because of extreme stress. And it's mortifying. It's not fun. And losing your hair is very, very difficult for men who are allowed to be bald. And it's especially difficult for women who suffer from alopecia. And, like, we are expected to have so much of our identity tied into our hair. It's such a big deal for us. So I can understand like there's a lot of emotions tied to it. And I'm sure that Will Smith has seen her in some very, very vulnerable places to do with her hair. First of all, she looks fucking great. She is a gorgeous woman, whether she has her cornrows or her hair, Straight just down, completely little gone. cut she
0: had in the nineties. She, yeah, she looked style. incredible.
1: I, honestly, I would not. I didn't know. I suspect Okay, because I am a just a person who is <laughs> absorbs a lot of media. I kind of assumed that she shaved her head because she was probably having issues with alopecia. And I know it's like a more common thing in the African American community among women. Um, so I, I kind of assumed, with, but like I didn't know that it was a thing that she had talked about, that it was like publicly yeah. known knowledge. But I kind of assumed that. But I also don't think necessarily everyone should know, but you know who should have fucking known? chris rock should have yeah, known. Sure. chris rock should have known he made a documentary about wh- black women's hair and they know each other
0: like they're not new yeah. to each other's i lives. mean
1: i also think i also think he didn't intend it to be no a i don't either i mean like it wasn't like he said gi jane was hot rip me more with her like bald head was hot it was like a big deal it was a huge cultural touchstone Listen, I just want to know
0: how Ricky Gervais didn't get slapped all them years, uh, several years (laughs) hosting the Oscars. And I'm like,
1: way more offensive shit. I would have slapped the hell out of Ricky Gervais first, but that's just me. I think, and I think like people would have had something to say about it instead of being like good on Chris Rock for not freaking out. People would have been like upset at Chris Rock for being like insensitive. If Will Smith had not gotten up and completely, I mean,
0: Chris Rock would have definitely, especially like when they panned to Jada and we saw her face was unamused. People would have Chris Rock would have came out looking the bad person uh, if he hadn't got slapped. Now it's a little bit more divided.
1: Yeah. It's
0: pretty divided.
1: (laughs) Honestly, I I also think Jada could have responded better to it. Like if and again, she's allowed to have her own emotional attachment to it, but like she is rocking that bald head and she could have responded to a joke about it with (laughs) with joy, with like, yeah, look at my hot fucking head, instead of getting like upset about it. And again, I, we are allowed to feel our feelings. She's allowed <laughs> to feel her feelings. And, I, and she, it's clearly still something that she like emotionally struggles yeah. with. And maybe Chris Rock didn't realize that. Maybe Chris Rock assumed that she was like, had moved, and does talk about it as if it is like this empowering thing. Yeah. And she like made this strong decision for herself. But obviously there's still some pain attached. Yeah. It exploded in a very, very strong, wow. surreal <laughs> moment. In our- We all witnessed history. Oscars <laughs> history.
0: <laughs> uh, Sunday night, it was historic in maybe the worst way possible, but it was still historic. Now this week, obviously the academy came forward and said we're going to review it. We're not going to take his Oscar because that was a talk immediately after. Uh, with, like, no,
1: because Harvey Weinstein still yeah. has his Oscars, so that that's for life. Apparently, yeah, no, we're, we're, yeah, no
0: we're not taking Oscars from him. We're take that away because <laughs> there's plenty of P again.
1: <laughs> However, Vanessa Williams did one naked sp- uh, spread she'd playboy and they took away her miss america crown no problem we'll take those away
0: yeah that can get
1: snatched quick um
0: but will smith (laughs) came forward after apologizing and did resign from the academy which doesn't
1: mean he's not in he it doesn't mean he's ineligible to win it just means he He can't can't vote anymore and he can't go to the i I think it means he can't go to the ceremony but
0: i mean you know I, I'm I'm a little bit more happy with him doing it himself than yeah. the Academy, just because, yeah. like we said, they have such a long history of harboring, like basically protecting abusers. Yes. They protected Harvey Weinstein for decades. Let's just yeah. be very clear. And they wouldn't have outed him if they weren't forced to yeah. out him and, and uh, you know, shun him. They never yeah. would have done it. Uh, I mean, Woody Allen is still chilling. Uh, um, Kevin Spacey
1: is still a member of the Academy you know a lot of not those criminal charges actually yeah. go through if it's my yeah. deniability, they can keep going with it yeah they're still so good um i will also say i think this is an interesting sort of thing here in our our current place is it seems to me like will smith from his statements that have been released and his actions since then he does genuinely seem like yeah. he regrets his decision. He regrets his actions. He regrets his decision and regrets what he has done. However, people will say, well, it's just PR. It's just written by his PR. And like, obviously, yes, obviously he had a a public relations firm go over his statement because he is a celebrity, and it. But the thing is, like, it doesn't matter what he says at this point. Like, just because he's a celebrity, people are going to have a not half, but whatever. A certain segment of the population yeah. is going to. Assume that it is disingenuous, yeah. whether or not it is. Even if it is disingenuous, the actions speak for me in terms of, like, he has put out apologies and yeah. things like that. I think there's also something to be said, again, for Chris Rock. It's just, like, not wanting to prosecute and not wanting to, like, yeah, or to press any charges. Yeah. And, and I, I and read recording yeah. backstage right afterwards and yeah. said, I just got slapped by Muhammad Ali.
0: Which according just, to who was it? Diddy said that they literally squashed it at the oscars it was over yeah yeah at the ceremony I think,
1: I think it i think it's uh it again if it was a thing that had happened not on live television in the middle of an award ceremony
0: <laughs> would nobody have, would have blinked denied. for <laughs> i mean we would have been a little shocked that it, it, it was a tmz
1: article that like happened for a minute but like it was the shock of it because and you know the oscars has such a a veneer of importance right like they really sell the 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 delusion
0: yeah they're not the golden globes which are known as the trashy movie one they're not the grammys which people get ham they're not the vmas or any of them no they are the prestige
1: correct and the other thing is it also would have been more like I don't think anybody would have cared as much. Like I mean, we we might have still had a conversation about like whether or not violence is ever acceptable, which is like a whole big fucking conversation. Um, but like I think what was really shitty about it is like it just passed Paul and awkwardness over the rest of the evening, and it made it shitty. And that was one of the things that he like acknowledged immediately uh will smith did that he had basically kind of ruined the night for everyone else who worked really hard and deserved their oscar moment all those people like it's a fucking shame like quest love somebody,
0: yeah somebody mentioned it like there's a lot of people who don't need the exposure or whatever but there are so many at the oscars like the short filmmakers quest love there are so many people these makeup artists these visual effects artists who who don't get recognized nobody nobody really pays attention
1: casting who has like been nominated a bunch of times and this is her first oscar and like she finally got a thing and also like the eyes of tammy faye was not universally loved. Tons of people didn't see it. It is getting some more play. I, I will refer you to our list of underrated films for 2021. Which <laughs> I, I see the eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, but I think it's because it's on streaming services now. People are actually like watching it and enjoying it. I think people... I acknowledged it a lot more for what it was um, and now it won a couple of Oscars but that's like significant and like so that goes into also the whole conversation of like why do we even give a shit about the Oscars because there's tons of people who just want to like they're, trash the entire Oscar thing and at the end of the day I can't trash the entire Oscar thing
0: and we talked about that a lot uh earlier in our podcast this year but it, it really we it, care? yeah yeah it's about it's it's not about you know patting these rich famous people on the back for film fans that's not really why we care about the oscars is all of that it's about these people who don't get shine anywhere else who their movies have been seen by very few folks that they worked so hard on and the oscars suddenly propels that film for people to watch it for people to appreciate these amazing films that otherwise get like no play no nobody
1: cares (laughs) Which also it's part of what makes me really fucking irritated about the way they approach all of the animated films and with that (sighs) larry i think we should just we can segue away from will smith and all of that and let's talk about some other things we're mostly just gonna do our rankings because we're gonna most rank people the best picture one we're in one of the best pictures um involved with in one of the best pictures, except for um the animation category never um, or hardly ever finds
0: like- a way to get into the best picture and that's my other thing, as we talked about it before too, is you look at this list it's a bunch of period pieces, a bunch of biopics, the usual a lot of dramas get into best picture. We never, we very rarely, I think it's still three animated films in the history of Best Picture that have ever gotten a a Best Picture nomination.
1: Beauty and the Beast got nominated for Best Picture. People lost their shit about a cartoon getting nominated for Best Picture. And then they invented the animation category and thus was born the Pixar award every year um, it is interesting because at first it didn't
0: start that way we'll tell that we'll say that like carried it away opened us up early with some promise that okay they're gonna really do it and then it just turned into pixar yeah. disney only then i believe it's two or three films not from disney pixar who have won this award uh, spider-man into the spider-verse rango <laughs> uh, i think shrek was the first one that ever won it so there's been I have very little handful, the last being Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse that broke through. And it's otherwise Disney Pixar have a monopoly on the best animated feature.
1: Yeah. Well a lot of the time it's barely, it's barely that it breaks through. It's like Pixar didn't release a film that year or Pixar's film was like a, a big bomb or for whatever reason or like just it just like it it's not it doesn't seem like it's that movies beat Pixar it's that Pixar drops the ball for a year yeah. um, which sucks and it's just a big deal because it, you you've also heard plenty of the Oscars um, voters and judges talk about how they don't actually watch them and I, I did not watch the ceremony live um, because I am a millennial and I don't have an and I don't watch real TV. Uh,
0: Academy, that's why your viewership is down. Not because you present all of the awards. It's because you have not adapted to make your show accessible to anyone who's not over the (laughs) age of like 60 years old. Yeah.
1: Uh, Academy, I promise you, if you were to give me a streaming option that didn't require (laughs) me to have a cable provider, I would (laughs) happily... (laughs) I would even pay you money to watch it because I'm not that nerd.
0: If you do like a, you know, not too expensive, obviously, but if you do like an Oscar stream, that's like a pay-per-view, like a, a cheaper, yeah. most of us that love the Oscars are going to pay
1: to watch it. it. A so instead I just resorted to whatever. I'm not going to like no. fight this. I try and put it here, I guess. I had the New York Times uh, stories just like on alert. So every time a thing came up, I got an alert. So I knew as soon as Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, <laughs> And then i went and i looked at i was like what found the clips yes right i didn't get that mo- yeah i had to look at the clips <laughs> got to see the one with all the audio because yeah we got
0: that australia clip <laughs> <laughs> uncensored from australia
1: but anyways i did not hear the larry explained to me very condescending introduction for the animation category why don't you go ahead and explain it larry
0: yeah i mean they brought out three live action disney princesses uh, one soon to be with uh Haley uh bailey it's gonna be the little mermaid um but brought her out with lily james and naomi you. scott um, <laughs> so we have three first of all three actresses who brought our inferior versions of their animated counterparts to the screen i'm just gonna say that i love you lily james and i love you naomi scott but you do not touch the animated versions of jasmine and cinderella it just is what it is And then they proceeded to just harp on how parents basically and adults have to endure animated films because kids love them. Uh, And it's such a chore to have to sit through them as your kids watch it. So we've all seen it. These
1: fucking women who have made money, (laughs) their entire careers are now based around the success of animated films that adults like to watch. I'm an adult now i fucking love re-watching the little mermaid and beauty and the beast and all of these films and i also am an adult now and love watching new animated films because i'm not a cinematic newbie who just like doesn't appreciate the amount of time and work that goes into a movie just a movie it's a movie especially knowing we all know how they make animation it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours from hundreds of animators that is give it the tiniest amount of respect
0: no uh, other film takes as long in post nearly as animation does although you know like because the, the, people are like for actors it's easy you know you come in you do your voice work it's not it's they love those gigs all of the other people like that have to come together to make this beautiful amazing art moving art before our eyes is incredible we had a, a a very adult a very topical documentary in this year's best animated feature lineup
1: there are valid reasons to use animation and also animation is literally art. It's literally an opportunity for a person who paints, draws, creates a team of people who to create a moving version of this. It's just mind boggling that this very odd myth that it's for kids persists because animation has not been for children for a very long time. it It may be often family-friendly. And honestly,
0: if any studio, that's what kills me, is they've watched these films because they've seen Pixar. And if any studio really did a lot to bridge that gap, it's Pixar themselves. And y'all have seen these Pixar movies. Yes, they're family-friendly, but Pixar really bridged the gap of uh, adult content being in these films things that we as adults really relate to and can yeah. empathize with and understand and these these really deep themes um the shrek did it but it did it in more of a comedy way of like your kids are not going to understand these jokes but pixar has so done it a little bit more of an empathetic way but
1: let's, let's talk. if a film like Coda can win best picture with its feel-good family-friendly bent <laughs> Why in the shit can't we be more respectful to an animated film that makes us cry? I just watched Seeing Red. Totally. I watched it twice and cried both times. Totally (laughs) half paying attention the second time. Still cried. But like, so that is... Generally infuriating. It's so
0: annoying that they don't put them in other categories as well. Every now and then, randomly, it'll get a screenplay nomination. But if you ask me, the Mitchells vs. The Machines had one of the five best original screenplays of 2021. It should have been in so. the original screenplay conversation, but of course it's animated. They don't care. Also, both of us being a stop motion animation fan, um why are these stop motion movies not getting production design nominations? I wonder <laughs> that pretty much every time Leica like releases a film, I'm like, this production design is amazing and huh. should be nominated. So what's going on?
1: It's <sighs> just a inherent bias. So it... <sighs> anyways, that was our rant. Historic
0: wins Troy Coetzer uh, won first male deaf actor to win, only the second deaf actor ever to win an Academy Award. Ariana Debose, a Afro-Latina, I believe the first one of those, only the fourth or fifth. openly queer openly queer so uh, you know good for her jessica chastain and will smith breaking their streaks uh whether or you know with the drama aside both of them had been nominated several times at this point without winning and finally got their due and i don't know if you know this but jessica chastain i believe is the fifth actor from the help to go on to win an Oscar. So <laughs> the help is just producing them left and right. okay Spencer, <laughs> Viola Davis, Jessica Tastain, Emma Stone, Alice and Danny, all of them. They're just what did you walking by and snatching up them Oscars <laughs> after leaving that film. So That's good terrible. omen, I suppose, a good omen. But the ceremony, it still went 45 minutes long. Put the damn categories back in the show and cut out the mess. that's what i say but
1: i don't i literally again didn't actually watch the ceremony i just want the awards y'all just show me the clips if you want of the movies of the perform. <laughs> yes, i would rather see clips of each of the actors in their best moment i would rather see a mm-hmm. like 10 second clip of each actor mm-hmm. And get rid of the stupid host. I don't care. I could care less about Amy Schumer and what she thinks is funny.
0: And her swinging in a Spider-Man morph suit from the ceiling.
1: I really, yeah, definitely don't need it. We don't, I don't want that. I I don't don't want that.
0: We didn't need your like (laughs) Academy Museum promo in here. That was tried to be sold off as a comedy bit with Wanda Sykes. We didn't need that. Mm -hmm. No, honestly. And last year that was their big problem. They didn't show clips and we were like what the hell this is a visual medium like film yeah. <laughs> you're sitting here telling us about costumes without showing the us the clips clips damn costume designs
1: they used What's to the always that? do that it's bad. it's I annoying uh keep
0: clips whatever you do academy keep show us visuals because you're representing a damn visual medium it's so dumb but um this yeah i um a uh, good for Coda. I'm happy for Coda. Yeah, but sure. Yes, it's a lovely little film that has caused quite the drama itself amongst many circles. Uh, cinephiles particularly had a very anti-Coda slant so heading in. Let's get
1: into our rankings because uh, yeah. Coda ranked fairly recently for me, and the uh, favorite of the cinephile community hated it it was way down to the bottom I don't think I like hated it I just found nothing to enjoy about it
0: (laughs) well what do you have at number 10
1: uh my number 10 actually the one I actually like hated actively was licorice pizza I don't that's my number 10 too yeah I don't understand why it was nominated for best picture it was not only really really long and boring it was also like weird I don't know why the necessity of the 25 year old woman with a 15 year old kid like that's gross It's gross. It's gross. I know that was the point was it's gross. So it's weird for her. It should have stayed gross and weird for her. I don't spend three hours. I guess that movie wasn't three hours. It was like, who? but it (laughs) felt like three. And that is a problem. It was just this like meandering mess of a film and like, i often feel that way when i'm watching paul thomas anderson's films
0: but this was the worst like sometimes he'll have like good dialogue at least in there yes. you know this really didn't have that for me instead we got like cringy race jokes and like weird uh, moments so i
1: saw somebody compare it in a review to dazed and confused and like they're kind of set in the same time period and but. there's definitely like an emphasis on music but Dazed and confused uses the music way better the characters are way more likable and interesting and the conversations are interesting like they have these interesting philosophical conversations and that's what makes dazed and Confused an entertaining film and at least like you have interactions between the characters that keep you kind of engaged and it only takes place over this one night the licorice pizza takes place over this like undisclosed summer. like some
0: summertime
1: which i don't buy at all Was like oh it's this one summer i'm like really he managed to open have and three
0: businesses two,
1: three businesses yeah that were opened and failed i'm like listen Another i have uh, I'm a I'm a theater person. It takes a while just to get one business to let you, like, open in a space. It, you can't just, like... I mean, I guess he could theoretically have, like, gotten the space and then he still had it and then he just put the pinball machines in there. Whatever. He also... I mean, like, it was also weird because he clearly was much older than 15. Um, just
0: is. The whole thing is just so weird. I honestly would have been more intrigued by, like, the politician storyline that comes in in the third act. We just followed this girl intern as she like is in part of this like politician drama. Maybe that would have been more interesting
1: there could have been See, a lot
0: she too she's running around she's like having encounters with champagne being ridiculous she's having encounters with bradley cooper being ridiculous she's working at a politician's office i mean it was just the script is all over the place without any yeah. focus like there's no focus i think it's supposed to be a coming-of-age story but the other coming-of-age stories in the category dwarf this by a mile like they're so much better
1: it's super unclear like what these kids goals and aspirations are like i don't i don't like it just seems like this 15 year old kid was just like i'm an entrepreneur and i want to make money in business and that was like it and then she was like lost and so lost to a point that like she had no she just had no character there was that was the defining characteristic of her character was like i don't know what i want to do with my life
0: yeah what do you have at number nine then Ren?
1: I have the power of the dog
0: oh very controversial
1: <laughs> I know everybody really liked power of the dog I found it just incredibly boring Don't, none of the characters are redeeming well I was in no way blown away I actually thought Benedict Cumberbatch's accent was kind of off and I did not buy him at, in that character at all not with his body type his personality his mannerisms he was much better in Louis Wayne and I wish he would have gotten a nomination for that movie because it was that was a That was a fucking performance. Power of the Dog was uh, like none of the characters were likable. Like I, I didn't like the wife slash mother. like I didn't buy the justification for how everything goes down. I didn't like the son. He's weird. Guess I'm supposed to care about them a little bit, but like any redeeming qualities in either of these characters immediately disappear. And maybe that's like the point is that he brings out the worst in these people or something, but. I don't know, I am, I'm also of the opinion that like, I'm gonna like a character a lot more that has some strong sense of self enough that like, I just hate that the only woman on the screen is basically this weak-willed, pathetic woman that needs everyone to save her and can't, has so, has so little opinion of herself, she just evolves into an alcoholic mess. When her brother-in-law is mean to her and she's not as good as she thinks <laughs> her husband wants her to be, and then like the husband sucks too because he wants her to be that he has this like vision of her as this thing and other than that he's just kind of like a boring character you don't like know that much about him I found the whole thing incredibly long the whole time. Watch I was out, like,
0: Rand. Watch I, out. The centipiles are going to come so after you. Bored. Those are their least favorite um, the critiques, that uh, it's cold and that it's right. boring. Well, you
1: know what? Drive my car is, I think, longer than Power of the Dog or equally long. And I love I to drive, it's my drive, drive my car. Drive my car, I think, is the
0: longest of the bunch.
1: Right. And I love drive my car. So it's not about whether or not it's actually long. It's about whether or not it feels really long. And Power of the Dog felt <laughs> really long. And even as I was watching it, I was like, "Ugh, this is so boring. This yeah. is so boring. Is this over yet? Oh, my God, I'm only halfway through. OK, yeah. like I there was I just found nothing enjoyable about it. I'm glad that people loved it. I'm glad that people find pieces of art that they enjoy. I found nothing to enjoy about Power of the Dog. <laughs>
0: Well, coming in at number nine for me is another one people really loved, uh, and I did not, and that's West Side Story. Uh, just from the jump people criticize they get mad when you're like why was this made what's the point of this and who is this for but honestly that's the first thought for me is why was this made who was this for this story is dated it could have been left in the 60s where it belonged and we didn't need to revive it
1: the 1500s (laughs) well yes (laughs)
0: um because while i will say in many ways Steven Spielberg is a great and he's a great for a reason in many ways it does improve upon that original film the camera work is gorgeous the cinematography is very pretty the the sets the costumes the dance numbers look amazing i look from a visual standpoint i will argue with no one that west side story is a well-crafted film it looks good when you're watching it and i kudos. wish
1: all of that would have been done in a new story so it didn't just feel like it was a revamp of like it, it the, um, the dances aren't even that different from the original film that not this st- like that really cool 60s style of cinematography that was done yeah. very cool <laughs> would have been cooler to see in something that was like different at in the 60s like i kind a- of totally wish different i know people won't like
0: this because you know they love it uh in many ways i kind of wish steven spielberg maybe damien chazelle could have still wr- written it wrote it uh but i kind of wish steven spielberg had directed la la land and brought in this choreography ah. and the cinematic flair to a story yes. like la la land Yeah, because that was my
1: complaint about la la land was that it was supposed to feel like an old-time movie but it didn't it felt like yeah. a thousands film. And if you that, gave it
0: this sheen, if you gave yes, it this Spielberg cinematic touch, and the, I and think it would have elevated it.
1: And yeah, and like, the yes. And the dancing had been like in that specific <sighs> style and that with that crispness and, and
0: with this talent. That's the yeah. other thing. They hired people who could sing. They hired yeah. people who could dance. They hired a lot of musical theater people for West Side Story and you could also tell.
1: One of my <laughs> big complaints always with musical theater films that they want to make is they hire subpar people because because they think they need name recognition I'm like oh yeah. they, first, <laughs> first of all people don't like musicals they don't go to see musicals anymore it's just it's, a, it's hard they're hard yeah. to sell people are people have the same opinion of musicals they've now formed of like animated films is that like it's for like musicals yeah. are for theater people and old people it's not they're not <laughs> for me as like animations are for kids and yeah. families and that's it and they just like disregard it so it doesn't matter what you do with the musical so you might as well make a fucking kick-ass musical with really good actors and singers and i, I think that west side story did that yeah. i just yeah, just yeah a, i agree the story. it's like the here's story the problem
0: it looks also, beautiful but it's around this rotted story to me the story first of all is just we all know it's romeo and juliet set in you know racist america divided uh, new york city and we don't need to hear it again. I'm tired of Romeo and Juliet as a story. If you're going to do it, I know they try to do new stuff. And then two, it doesn't work as well when you're doing it with race instead of class. That's my other thing is that's why I don't think West Side Story works well, is that it's now about the race rather than the class. And it doesn't ring as true, first of all. And then it brings in this weird kind of patriotism, this nationalism that like America just rings real weird to me still uh, as a song. They performed it great. And then you yes, thank you for hiring actual brown folks this time around because hello, it's 2022 not just like kind of brown face and also people who couldn't sing themselves. So they had to be dubbed. But that's a different story uh, in the 60s version. However, you still had them put on these thick, ridiculous Puerto Rican accents. So you were like, okay, well, <laughs> we're not gonna get somebody too ethnic. Her name is Rachel Zegler. Um, so as you, she's she's a light skinned brown folk and she just really really American and not all that ethnic, but that's a different story. Um and then Well, I don't Maria like to keep on like who's allowed
1: like what skin tone is allowed to be no. ethnic, right? And that's Maria a, is a, a terrible problem.
0: character. I'm sorry. She Maria is a sucks. horrible character.
1: Also, They should have just cut that fucking I Feel Pretty song. It's horrible. It is horrible, especially in a 2022 setting. It made me deeply uncomfortable, and I could like see them trying to sell it somehow. it's unacceptable. They replaced
0: <laughs> it. So they put it in a different spot in the musical to try to make it make a little more like sense and not be so cringe. No, no, that's the thing. they changed it a little bit, but they did not change it yeah, nearly it, enough. Just nearly cut enough. The whole, it, the whole movie. Is. The whole movie. Now, <laughs> uh, who the hell? meets a guy in one day this is why i just can't who meets one man one day the very next day said man kills your brother and you jump into bed with him literally minutes moments after he tells you he just murdered your brother. well murdered at least killed. in romeo
1: and juliet it's her cousin it's like a not it's quite cousin. as bad <laughs> and then you like
0: betray your whole family you know you like turn your back on everyone anita's over here like traumatized as hell because her her boyfriend husband just was murdered and you're like girl yeah. but i love him but i love him and like it's just so stupid i hate it i hate the story and if you if you come from a latino family i don't know nobody who's running away after you just killed their brother like yeah. if there's one thing about most including puerto rican cultures by and large not all very family oriented culture by and large. And so that was also
1: one of my like things I didn't like. So in the original West Side story, the um they're not Irish, they're Italian. And I know I'm Italian and blah blah blah. <laughs> but I think that's that's like relevant to the story because italian culture really is so similar to hispanic culture like they're both very catholic and yes irish are are catholic as well but like Uh, there is a there is a fieriness to both of those cultures that the irish don't have they it's it's a different
0: kind they have their own thing but
1: like yeah i found i have found lots of, you know, I've lived in Florida and I've lived in Colorado. I've found yeah. lots of places of like cultural resonance between me and other Hispanic people just because yeah, Italian yeah. cultures are so similar. They even look kind of similar. Like I have, I, I normally have very dark hair, dark eyebrows. And I mean, I'm relatively pale skinned, but I still have like olive tones in there. And so yeah. I've gone places where they just start talking to me in Spanish because it is a Spanish speaking area and they assume that I can speak Spanish because because they are very similar. And I think that's one of the points is that it is so ridiculous that they are at war with each other because they are so similar and you really change it when you make them Irish who yeah. are very clearly different and they look physically different and you have Hispanic. Yeah, um, yeah and I yeah. agree
0: on that too. It's, so I think that was the, same.
1: the point. The point. Yeah, yeah. No,
0: no, I'm sorry. West Side Story. And can we award Latinas for more roles than just Anita every like... Yes, please. Like, now,
1: to be fair, I did tell Larry before she won that she was my favorite part of that well, film. I thought my fan she was your best. Actually, and, the first character- are... was the best, I Want to Come to America is like, yeah. I, so as, uh, my husband, uh, Patrick, he he's a third culture kid. So he basically grew up, he, his parents um, had a moving internationally all over the world. And he has yeah. often said that like, you know, every time something goes wrong in America and I'm like, let's go move to another country. He every country has their own problems. Um, and so like, that's one of the things that like coming to America, that I want to be in America yeah. th- thing is about is that like, America has its problems, but like there's reasons that Im- people immigrated here, that yeah. there is opportunities here and we, and the immigrants deserve those opportunities just as much as the people who immigrated Forty years earlier, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. that's the point. So, so Anita is also just a, she's just a much easier to connect with character. She's got a much better journey than and stupid it's a, Maria. It's actually,
0: that's the other thing is she's a scene stealing character. So yeah. if you get a good actress in there, she's gonna also, steal the show.
1: Her and her costumes all her costumes were incredible honestly um, all of
0: the side characters that's the other problem with this movie and i guess you could argue that kind of for romeo and Juliet, but they don't really have a lot of side characters that steal the show from them no. uh west side story is like built so that all of the side characters are so much more interesting so much more like relatable even you know uh, homie who leads the irish gang. He's much yeah. better, much more interesting yeah. than freaking Ansel Elgort's, like a, a horrible bland They had no chemistry, too. The two leads they did not have zero chemistry. chemistry. So no. then you also don't buy it. You're like, I don't think you love this man to run away with him after he murdered no. out
1: and that's a problem right it seems like very clearly that he picked the actors independent of each other without like putting them in a room together and seeing like how and they I think he progressed.
0: liked. I think he liked Ansel I think Ansel was in the running like for ready player one and stuff so I think I think yeah, he cause enjoyed. They had
1: because like, they had um whoever ended up yeah. in ready player one was basically like bargain bin <laughs> <and> Alcour <laughs>
0: yeah so I don't know it just it didn't work for me but what did you have at number eight then Ren
1: I had West Side Story oh
0: okay perfect so
1: did you have anything to add or
0: did you get it all out
1: nope I got it all out there so yeah I didn't like it was fine I like musicals it was like fine it was fine uh, I think I was just mostly not I was mostly just disappointed I don't think I was disappointed I knew what how I was going to feel about it because it wasn't different from the original and that was the big thing to me was that like it just i didn't see the point of it it was like do like either do like do something new if you're gonna remake it don't like literally make a new thing right i know
0: <laughs> it's like we see that Spielberg could have made a great musical i just wish he had made an original one instead yeah. like make your stamp With an original, amazing musical Spielberg, or do
1: a musical that hasn't been turned into a movie yet, like yeah,
0: or or grab one, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) You love that fantastical stuff, Spielberg. I think you would have been great for a Wicked film, but well, uh, and as somebody pointed out,
1: it does seem like Steven Spielberg is at like the ending stages of his career where he's just doing like whatever he wants to do because he wants to do it. And like West Side Story, he's like, I love this musical. I'm just gonna do it i gonna do it again <laughs> Cool. i guess
0: uh he said he's always wanted to make a musical so i'm glad he did it at least yeah. um and showed you i know, wish he
1: had picked a different one but he's steven Spielberg, he and he can he can
0: do whatever he wants decide
1: whatever. to just remake <laughs> his favorite musical if that's what he wants to do could,
0: at this point he could just remake jaws if he wanted he could remake his own films now that we're so far in uh but all right at number eight i had don't look up um a film i didn't hate like a lot of people hated i just really want adam mckay to adapt his satire Branch style. out. <laughs> if he's going to continue to make these political satires i need a little more finesse like i, I really need him to <laughs> elevate uh the way he produces them i i liked this more than vice because i really did not like vice and that's disappointing because i really do not like dick cheney at all in the slightest so vice should have appealed right to me because it was a skewering of dick cheney I just, even argue. as a
1: person who doesn't like Dick Cheney, it also felt very biased, very biased because they, <laughs> I mean, they
0: openly admit they're like, he's so secretive. We have no facts. So we're yeah, just going to basically just, make shit up that we I think really happened.
1: want. To, I want to at least <laughs> feel like my opinions are informed by real things <laughs> instead of just made up narratives. I want to feel that way anyways.
0: And this, I mean, this, the, he grabbed the biggest like club to just knock you over the head over and over and over again. They don't
1: look up. Yeah. yeah, with the
0: messaging and don't look up. And it's a message I agree with. Once again, I'm on the same political side of that of the tape, very clearly. And I agree mm-hmm. with this message. We have long ignored issues that are like impending doom upon us. And sometimes you do feel like society just gaslight you because nobody listens, but the way it's well, and, is so obvious.
1: Oh, and the way the government is in bed. I did okay. So one of the things I really did like about Don't Look Up is I thought they did a very good job of basically merging Trump and Hillary Clinton into one yeah. Merrill Street president. <laughs> like <laughs> and I think it's funny because like then you heard people talking about it and people like, you know, the people who are oblivious are very were very hard on one side. Like, oh, it's clearly a uh, uh, I just, uh it's yeah. clearly a, a Hillary uh like caricature no no it's clearly a Trump character yes, guys yes. it's supposed to be both of them at the same time they're not clear about if it's a Democrat or a Republican intentionally. intentionally so I mean I mean I will say uh, that was one thing with the film was I think all the acting performances were really good uh, um, it was
0: nice to see Leonardo DiCaprio take on a different character. Because he, he's yes. recently in his career, he's really kind of, he settled into a character. And it was nice to see him break back out of that into like this ridiculous humor. Loved
1: his like <laughs> awkward little scientist thing. Yeah, like uh, The unassuming, suddenly hot <laughs> geologist or Let whatever. me just say,
0: once again, as per usual, Cate Blanchett just snatches anything she's show. in. She is so did damn good. did not like
1: those fake teeth, though. No. I was not I mean, a fan I, of that. <laughs> choice. I need makeup people in Hollywood to please stop with the fake teeth choices. It's not working. I don't
0: know what Mark Rylance was doing, though. I That was a character choice for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, I thought yeah. I thought Jennifer Lawrence was good. I just hated that yeah. damn haircut. I know it was a choice. It was a it was an intentional choice yes. to give her that haircut. Actually, one of the gags that made me laugh was her continuing to replay the scenario in her head of like, why would he make me pay for the
1: water? <laughs> like, because
0: that's something why relatable to that? people. Like, after something happens to you, you're just like, why the why did they do right. that like
1: and, and why I didn't i
0: stand up for myself in the moment you know
1: <laughs> it's also a really good it was also a good metaphor for like what he was going for in the film of yeah. like even when the world is falling apart around <laughs> down apart you you still will fixate on these like completely inconsequential yeah. but like mind-blowing things right like will smith smacking first rock like realistically Not that big a deal in the grand scheme of the world and all our problems, but man, are we fixated on it? Yeah, I spent days just remembering it and being like, I can't believe that
0: happened. I mean, it's probably going to be the image for this podcast, so just so you're aware. Uh, (laughs) but yeah, don't look up, it was okay. I I just wish I found it funnier. That's the thing. I, I chuckled here and there if I had laughed more. I could Uh have forgiven how over the like beating me over the head. I can deal with that if it's funny. I thought Ariana Grande was funny.
1: She was funny. I didn't mind being beat over the head. I didn't dislike. I liked Don't Look Up. I enjoyed it when I watched it. I, I, my main objection was, I was like, I this is does not belong on the best picture list. Like, no. this is just...
0: And it's this point, like, if Adam McCain makes a political satire, it gets nominated. You know, like, we're at that point. Every single that's time annoying. he makes one of these political satires, it's nominated. Vice was nominated and wasn't good. Uh, the Big Short, I love The Big Short. See, that's where I was like, story. he did so good in that one. And then... He's trying to, yeah, he's trying trying to, to, like, transfer that.
1: And I appreciate it because I think... That was a great format, and yeah. I don't think it's a bad. It's, I don't think it's a bad idea for him to try and replicate the format. But I think, I think one of the problems might be that he's trying to replicate the format with, but not replicate it. Like he doesn't want to repeat himself. There's fully. not enough
0: information. I think maybe that's what it is. Is we do have a lot of information on global warming, obviously, mm-hmm. um but he didn't really infuse it well into the film. Like instead, it was more. Well, he a made this a on-
1: satire. He went full yeah. on satire Whereas instead of like short. The reason it works so well.
0: Is there was a lot of terminology, and that's why he was able to break the fourth wall because there was a lot that normal people just didn't understand about the bubble and what happened. I also think
1: he would stick. I also wish a little bit he would, you know, you're saying about Vice, stick with things that are real and help us understand things. I think that that there's incredible power in filmmaking, especially when you have a platform like Adam McKay now has to really show up and be like, no, listen, global warming (laughs) is a real issue. Let's talk about like, I mean, like I think I think he tried to address global warming and it's like there isn't like a specific event that happened with global warming so it's hard for him to talk about this thing that is clearly very important and we all need to think about Um, I think for me more than anything else I was just like with with it don't look up it was just like funny but like incredibly depressing sort of examination of what would happen if
0: a I mean, a literal of literal
1: meteor came for us like a oh little God. bit of I mean and it was interesting this is a of, thing that could happen just before. so you all know like it is not in any way impossible <laughs> for a piece of rock in space to come and and to hit out. the earth and wipe us out it's absolutely possible and nobody doesn't listen. we saw that with the
0: pandemic I mean people yeah. were running around You'd screaming and yelling like for the months
1: yeah. yeah before yeah.
0: people finally were like oh shit it's here and we're not prepared I mean yeah. it's what we do pretty much every time <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that's I. Uh, yeah, that's I was just talking to Patrick this morning about. He's like, oh, well, I just, I really hope." We oh, he was. We were talking about cybersecurity. He's like, "I really hope that they uh, take some preventative measures before something catastrophic happens." And I was like, "Well, that's really not the pattern." So, <laughs> much as I appreciate the sentiment, I would also like us to be more like preventative, especially about problems that are very easily like provable and seeable, and you can like examine. Um, but anyways, but Don't yeah. Look Up was actually my number seven. Oh, perfect. Um, so well, look at yeah. bouncing back and forth. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, it was. I actually, I didn't. I I liked Don't Look Up. I enjoyed watching it. I laughed. I thought it was funny. I enjoyed the satire of it. Um, I just didn't think it belonged on the best picture list.
0: Mind your And own I liked own
1: other business. films better than I yeah, did, so that everybody. it kind of just got sho- shoved down by by default.
0: I just have one thing to say to you, Ren. Yes. Mind your own business, you old fuck. <laughs> it was the best line, but also that was me saying it to you directly.
1: I'm not that much older. Than
0: but you. no, <laughs> literally the best moment of the entire film was Ariana Grande saying that to Leonardo DiCaprio. I
1: holler. <laughs> I died.
0: so. Uh, also, I loved her song, especially because um, Ariana Grande. Off.
1: We know, like in reality, she's a <laughs> very like, sweet, nice human being. Like she'd never be like that. So it's fun to see yep. her get to be a character
0: well coming in at number seven for me we're sticking with the trend we now have the same bottom four because i have the power of the dog at number seven um for me so some people have tried to defend honestly this film should have been tailor-made for me it's a skewering of toxic masculinity it's an lgbtq like centered drama but not an obvious one it's not like a pandering queer story it's it's more hidden than that and usually I love stuff like that. I, I love a slow burn. I'm good with slow burn dramas. I, I usually am all about it. And I know some other queer people are taking offense to everyone calling it cold, but I'm a queer person and I found it very cold. I'm sorry. Oh, it did I... not, that ending did not resonate with me. The the third act also just did not resonate with me.
1: So somebody <laughs> on a Reddit thread say... Um... <laughs> yeah but isn't the whole point that this man literally was murdered because he was gay and i was like wow you deeply understood what happened in that film (laughs) and i think think that uh... might be part of it is that like the fact that he was gay was of like relatively little consequence like i understand nothing to do with anything
0: the manifestation of anger and I think that's an interesting story to tell because there are plenty. I mean, honestly, I think we saw it done a little bit better in Turning Red with that little boy. Uh, I think not really wanting to accept himself and how he dealt with it was lashing out at his little classmates in Turning Red. Um, and I think that's what the film was really, go- you know, he he wasn't able to be himself. He wasn't able to, live and accept who he was and thus it manifested itself in a really toxic
1: story sure, maybe behaving. but also he might have just been an asshole like that, that, that yeah, you can that's... also have like i know plenty of queer people who <laughs> weren't allowed to be queer that it didn't present in being a piece of shit to everyone of around who've you. been out
0: for since they were little teens that are terrible and not yes. good people at all and yes. we don't like them <laughs> yes i mean like, it was of course it was different then so i understand i do think it was beautiful uh yay female cinematographers doing great work um it wasn't as beautiful as dune so i'm happy dune one but uh, <laughs> Loki, i'm still happy Dune one um, <laughs> but uh it was beautiful i did think the score you know it was good for what it was i i think there were better scores as well it, it was a well executed technical film on every technical I, level it was done well so No,
1: other but... point technical thing and this is uh, this might be kind con- i know it was like slightly controversial Ooh. so i know they didn't film it in the american west not even though it's set it in the american in new west. zealand but honestly even while i was watching i felt like it was wasn't quite right like there was a set could we live in the west you, you, right <laughs> you and i live in We're the like west. two states like,
0: down from montana I'm, where this yeah, is set. and
1: the other thing is though we just had Nomad Land last year, and that was like iconic. Like that was clearly filmed in the West. So I think just having literally just watched Nomad Land, it did feel off Artificial. a little bit. It felt like it. I mean, the cinematography was lovely, but it Beautiful. didn't quite feel like authentic American. <laughs> And that was, like, I know that was part of Sam Elliott's whole, like, problem with it was that it was not filmed, actually, in the American West. Who knew Power of the Dog? I mean, before Will Smith, Power of the
0: Dog was the real drama. Everybody coming out, Jane Campion giving crazy speeches, Sam Elliott popping out the woodwork to talk. I'm
1: very happy that Power of the Dog did not win Best Picture because I know it was, like, a favorite to win for a long time. Long time. And it didn't win like anything i except for best director and, I'm and good with her winning best director. i'm okay with her i'm i am okay with the excitement of like having two women yeah. win back to back which and a <laughs> a woman, years and years of men back our first to back.
0: our first multiple nominee of of a female director yeah. plus against a lot of these others i mean i do think they did a good job but, except paul thomas anderson honestly paul Tos- thomas anderson literally stole the Nevil no spot but that's <laughs> i mean he is the only one i would outright boot from this category because uh-huh. i don't know why he's here the other ones i think did a good job directing but none of them really gave me like this is the claire best direction out of these yeah. five nominees so jane campion winning i i'm good i think i'm okay with it her.
1: <laughs> what my here's my snarky take is uh well she must have done something very well to convince that many people that a film that extremely long and boring was actually brilliant. She must be doing something <laughs> she right. She did something well.
0: Good for her. <laughs> <laughs> well Rand we've agreed so far we have the same floor on the
1: bottom. What do okay. you have a number 6? I have King Richard. Okay um i didn't uh, king i it was not a movie that i disliked i just liked the other ones a little bit better um i thought will smith was yeah, i mean it's basically a movie to watch will smith in um and it's a lovely feel good film i will say just generally with all of these films, i'm really i was really delighted that i did not have to sit through ten absolutely depressing slow miserable films <laughs> <laughs>
0: only power of the um, dog. Only power that for the Dog you.
1: <laughs> and Licorice Pizza. Actually, and Licorice Pizza wasn't depressing. It was just boring. <laughs> um but yeah, King Richard was like delightful. It was a uh, it was I knew I was gonna like King Richard because like ugh, the Williams sisters are just fucking badass. Like I I was excited to hear about their story because we just know their story is incredible. Yeah. Um, One of the best so- sport stories of all time. Of like, all across times. any of sport, all one time. of the best, yeah, so it was it was great i I think a little part of me is sad that it was not about them as much yeah. as it was about their dad. and like, I, That's okay, because you know what? Eventually, they will make a biopic that focuses on their their actual journey, um, and less on their male (laughs) figure of their family. I I did think, um, yeah, all the performances were really, really good. The kids were really good, but yeah, I think that would be my one gripe about King Richard. Which again, it it's it's called King Richard. It's very clear that it's a story about this is the Williams' father and his position in their family, and it was a vehicle for Will Smith. Um. But it is, yes, disappointing because at the end of the day, these two extraordinary Black women should be the stars of their own story. And they really aren't in this movie at all.
0: Uh, Well, I have at number six. I think this is interesting because I think these are two number sixes, like, just kind of show who we are as people outside of film and why something like King Richard as a tennis fan just, you know, rings more. Oh, yeah. And Drive My Car as a theater fan rang more true with you. Because I have Drive My Car at number six. Um,
1: you just swapped them. You're like, well, I love yeah. tennis, so King Richard yeah. wins. I love theater, <laughs> so Drive My Car wins. Yeah. Uh,
0: drive My Car, I, I did really enjoy. Uh, and again, I thought it was a really well made film. It it does go slow moving. I think the second act is where I think we could have tightened it up uh, personally and skimmed down. I this is why i know i'm not a theater person because i was like mm, i think we could have done with a few less of those theater scenes. <laughs> we didn't need to be on the stage Taking my head no right now <laughs> so, that was my I was like we could have cut a few of these and still got the point across just fine but that's just yeah. me um i do love that we also have a, a deaf character in this film who plays it a very interesting role mm-hmm. and i think that's what it was is the script is interesting It it takes you in very interesting ways it is, once again, a really human story, but a, a story that respects art. So I can see why the Academy loved it. It's all about art and healing and how art plays a role in, in your life and bleeds out and, and plays a role in grieving and in that whole process. Um, the, <laughs> it did have some really out there moments where I was like, what the hell is going on? Why are we fighting people? I mean, I get it, the guy is this, or the wife was really, interesting um i don't know it was it was interesting i think i respected it a little bit more than i actually loved it upon like watching it the only thing was it made me feel more than power of the dog because they were pretty similar for me like they were in that same range of like i respect what's going on i didn't love watching it per se but i actually felt watching drive my car i enjoyed these characters i thought the actors should have been in conversation for the acting categories, but, oh, it's not in English, so we can't have that. Uh Only Penelope Cruz. She's the only non-English. Not
1: in English, but it is in, like, four other languages. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of English in here. We got sign language. Like, we got things we could do, but, you know, no, 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 no. Japanese spoken language, we can't award them. Korean spoken language.
1: That's not true, Larry. They gave... um. Oh, the woman who was the grandmother in uh, in, minari. in minari last year won an oscar oh, and
0: her so they as can as as and they her do moment, they just. <laughs> her moment with uh troy Kotsur, by the way was so good because she announced so him winning in sign language and then i don't know she just took such care with him up there that it was just a really sweet moment and i'm like Bring her back. We need her and the little boy, Al and Kim. We need to see them again because I love them. But Drive My Car, a beautiful film. Um,
1: but yeah, so it's at number six for me. <laughs> All right. Number five, Ren. Uh Number five for me was Dune. All right. Um, I again didn't. I liked Dune. We did a. a <laughs>
0: The whole thing to show here. on it
1: you can refer to that hear our thoughts on it um i'm really glad that it swept the technicals i think that makes a lot of sense for me it was a gorgeous film the costumes were incredible the except well, for the makeup a, and hair say. which went to the eyes of tammy faye which i that's also think is incredible costumes and, and hair and makeup because cruella
0: snatched that costume out from it which i agree I thought Dune's costumes were gorgeous, but Cruella, come on. Cruella's
1: costumes (laughs) were just incredibly creative. The sound design, the the
0: visual effects, the cinematography, the the production design. I mean, all the original score.
1: Just a real quick side note on the makeup thing. I do have to say, like, so as a person who does makeup, the thing about Eyes of Tammy Faye and the makeup in that movie is that the aging was incredible. They did a really good job. It is hard to age people for film. Um, especially I think they did such a good job with, um, I mean, really, both of them, but especially uh, Andrew, Garfield. Um, Andrew Garfield. Yeah, they, uh, the way they kind of made him a little bit more bloated as he aged was mm. really kind of incredible to look at.
0: Yeah, because it's it, easy to just look at Jessica Chastain's face, but th- there's so yes. much more makeup work going on yeah, than just that.
1: Yeah, the, and and like yes, the the obviously replicating Tammy Faye, they did an incredible job, right? Because Jessica Chastain is a gorgeous woman, and um, just like, like Tammy Faye was over the top and kind of ridiculous. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're, we are we're used to we're, were used to Jessica Tataining having that elegance about her. right? <laughs> like she is rarely gaudy looking yeah. in any film. Um, and so I think it absolutely contributed to her performance yeah. and was oh, like, okay. like I'm glad that they both got they awarded both because, went, yeah. like, that the performance overall was a combination of both her talent and their makeup skills anyways um dune i'm glad yes the cinematography was incredible yes the we talked about the music the music the soundtrack was incredible like yeah
0: hans zimmer got his second ever oscar finally after all these years yeah
1: Isn't finally that weird to
0: think that there's only it's two oscars of all this time honestly John Williams doesn't have all that many either so it's like you know just because you're iconic this doesn't mean you well you win. also
1: have to do you also have to do a movie that yeah. is, buzzy, yes. is yeah, Oscar a- buzzy so it doesn't matter if it's an Oscar worthy m- music every and single time for better time, or worse um it it's part of a bigger piece yeah
0: I'm glad that Hans Zimmer won for this film because for better or worse Nobody can argue. Hans Zimmer, particularly around Inception and the Dark Knight Trilogy, uh, pretty much rehauled Blockbuster score. I mean, he completely redefined it and everybody started Mm -hmm. copying Hans Zimmer and what he did uh, with original score. And I think Doom still has that grandiose, but he... He elevated it, I think. So I'm glad he won for this. Something big and grand. But then we have like bagpipes. We have these chants, these weird, cool chants. So I'm glad he won. But yes, Dune.
1: So what was yours? So coming in at at number five
0: for me was Nightmare Alley. Uh, Nightmare Alley was a film I really enjoyed. I particularly, I think some people don't love the third act. I love the third act. I think the third act is amazing. And everything
1: unravels. Yes, <laughs> it's the amazing. whole point of the movie. <laughs> and
0: from all accounts I've heard, is a pretty dramatic step up. From the original Nightmare Alley film is how Guillermo del Toro does this. Once it just plays so perfectly into his strengths, that third act just kills it. Uh, The performances were all fantastic. I thought Bradley Cooper, once again, is amazing. He's the next one. He's been nominated, I believe, now 12 or 13 times because he produces (laughs) so
1: much. I'm like, isn't he in like half of the Best Picture (laughs)
0: nominees? I personally think he should have beaten Rami Malek and won for A Star is Born. I thought his performance was better and that's where I would have given him his Oscar. Um, Because that movie was
1: trash.
0: (laughs) Rami Malek should not have won. I'm sorry. We, I like him as a person, um, but he should not have that Oscar. It should be Bradley's. Um, but one of these days, Bradley Cooper, you, I mean, you have to win sometime. You and Glenn Close now, you you two have to win at some point he, in your life. He also right? does an
1: incredible job of like, he picking his yeah. parts. And great. at this point in his career, he's like, no, nope, I'm Bradley Cooper. I can do it. I won't. <laughs> and
0: he's great in Nightmare Alley. He's wonderful. Yeah. Kate Blanchett is amazing as per usual. Come again. <laughs> <Per> usual. <laughs> and uh, as we talked, but just it's Guillermo del Toro at his visual best for mm-hmm. sure like the cinematography mm-hmm. is stunning in this film the mm-hmm. production design is amazing mm-hmm. that's the one I would have taken away from Dune and given to Nightmare Alley would have been yeah. production design personally
1: right. um but yeah, uh, there's so many more details in Nightmare Alley that, that yeah. just the amount of work that was going into it I know must have been just like a different just level I mean nightmare.
0: The only thing yeah. is that second act drags for me a bit. Um, that's where that's where the, the script kind of just is at its weak point. There's a lull mm-hmm. through that second act. Where I was mm-hmm. a little like, OK, we need to get back to something going on a little bit. I think we, we spent too much time in this general area of the con setup. I think we can we can move past it. So that's really the only thing that keeps Nightmare Alley out of the top four. But obviously, I mean, number five is a good place to be. Yeah. So number four for you, Rand.
1: Drive my car. Um, I was riveted the whole three hours, which I was not expecting. Um, I I was expecting to be very bored and depressed the whole time I watched this movie. And then I think about five minutes in, ten minutes in, I realized, oh my God, this is just a theater nerd film. Oh my god <laughs> and i got like excited and just really engaged um you know i tried to kind of explain to patrick a little bit he wasn't watching it i would not make him sit down and watch it on his type of film like why i was excited about it um and like this this whole checkoff angle it, I, it's so theater kid like if you went to school for theater <laughs> and you took script analysis classes and you read checkoff like Larry, nobody wants to go see Chekhov. Nobody, there is not an audience for Chekhov outside of the theater nerds who like understand all of the layers and all of the, the backstory and all of the things going on. But like, once you kind of understand a lot of that, it's, it's not as you, it helps you understand drive my car a lot more too. And the the parallels that are being drawn there of like there there's, Like even those, there's like that scene where they're both in the car and they, it's just this long scene. Both of them. There's actually lots of scenes where it's just like I'm just telling a story Mm -hmm. for a while. It's a lot more common in like a checkoff where it's just like oh, there's just this long monologue about this thing in my life that's supposed to be a metaphor for this bigger thing I'm feeling and that's why actors love it because it is so juicy from an acting standpoint to like pick that shit apart and I think that's the other part of it like they go into all of the like rehearsal rooms and things and they talk about like where these unique connections happen I also really loved that like his way of making theater was really interesting and like I I think I like that you know not a lot of people think about like what goes into making a play and what goes into building characters and every director has their own sort of angle it was really interesting just to like hear them talk about all of this stuff and like him I I was trying to explain to Patrick and then in the middle of the film he actually says why he doesn't want to play this um Uncle Vanya character because because uh Chekhov has a way of pulling out the truth of your own soul, and I can't do it anymore. And that's like yes, <laughs> from the like theater kid standpoint, <laughs> you said it so perfectly. And like I know hundred percent that I like. I liked this film personally for me. I would not recommend it across the board for everyone in the no. same way, because I think it is unless you, you're going to get the joy of those little moments yeah, as yeah. a theater person, you're, you won't be as engaged for the entirety of this film, which is very long. Um, but I, w- I was rude the whole time. I, and that was one of the things that was like my complaint about licorice pizza was that they were similar lengths, but like, drive my car just i followed the story Mm -hmm. of the characters the characters were all really consistent um another thing that i think that Chekhov does um that it was similar in this film is there are these like sudden like whoa what the fuck moments that like keep the story moving forward. it's like this oh shit this crazy fucking thing just happened
0: and i was just shook
1: (laughs) yeah i was like what oh okay yeah and that, but like and I and it's interesting, right? And I think that's one of the talents of Chekhov, and like the things that was kind of like replicated in this film is yeah. that, like it would be very long and boring if not for these sudden moments of complication um that draw you further in these sudden moments of conflict or these like deep simmering moments that explode into something bigger and then keep moving. um so. I, you know, from a theater kid standpoint, I just loved all of the Chekhov fangirling. I'm not even that big of a Chekhov fan, but like yeah. it is such a big part of um, theater history. And, and for everyone here who's ever heard of method acting, like Chekhov and Stanislavsky, those are the grandfathers of the form of acting we all enjoy today, which is realistic and tries to get to the heart of it. And so that's another big part of what this film does is it really talks a lot about like how art gets to the heart of things and how we ourselves as like individuals get to the heart of it. So I loved it, thought it was really good, really enjoyed it. Um, It only got pushed down because there were other things that I enjoyed watching a little bit more.
0: All right. Well, at number four for me, I have Best Picture winner *Coda*. Chillin' at number four. It just was obviously a universal story that I think, while not being universal in its actual subject matter, was universal in you know themes and stuff that most of us can relate to. And I think that's ultimately why it won Best Picture. Is that it handled that subject with care from what i've heard behind the scenes though there is controversy from within the deaf community willing to hear all that out certainly obviously don't want (laughs) to silence people from within the community the film is uh highly centered on but i just thought it was really uh, a sweet film with really strong performances from everyone in the cast, I thought all of them. The brother has kind of been an unsung hero. I thought he was great. My I thought he Nat was Lynn. great. Troy Coats were wonderful as her parents, and Muya Jones in her little breakout role. And I always love uh, Eugenio Debrez in everything because he's just as
1: over the top and a delight. Because he's a movie star <laughs> version of you, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Especially <laughs> in this film. Which <laughs> outrageous,
0: but I live for most of his characters. Um no, it's it's sweet, it's fun, it's it's honestly, it just, again, made me feel and I have cold and heartless as I usually am <laughs> movie feel movies that like, um, get to me emotionally resonate with me usually stick with me longer uh, mm-hmm. every now and then, because I love a good cinematography. And at the end of the day, well, you'll see as we get closer to the top of this list. <laughs> there's a movie that a lot of people think is very hollow and doesn't have much feeling that I adore and that's sometimes the case too. But From a technical standpoint, is CODA on the level of most of these films? No, No, absolutely not. And none of us are going to sit here and argue with you that it is for a best picture winner, you know, no. It's not, it has probably the worst cinematography out of the 10, uh,
1: it's not bad, it's not ugly, it's like, like people not are saying teacher.
0: Hallmark and Lifetime, no, please, Clearly no. you have not watched a Hallmark movie in they just call time. it
1: Hallmark and Lifetime because there was emotion and sentimentality <laughs> and it wasn't a miserable fucking ending. <laughs> yeah, like,
0: no, you have not actually sat down to watch a TV film or even a Netflix film because other than, you know, they, they come up with Power <laughs> of the Dog, but then they'll give you, he's all that and if you dare think coda is on the same technical filmmaking level as those i don't know what to tell you because it's not um no and it's just it was a nice story what can i say i just i enjoyed watching it more than i enjoyed watching most of the other films lower down on this fit on this
1: list so i liked coda (laughs) coda was my number three perfect um i uh i just enjoyed it i like it was a nice lovely story. I I you I I I 100% I what you feel. Like I I like movies that make me feel things and the movie made me feel things. It made me feel joy, it made me feel sadness, it made me feel frustration. Um it made me laugh. It made me laugh a lot and I I really love to like find joy in the films that I watch. I was entertained thoroughly throughout the film and I think that to me is really important, especially with the prominence of movies like Power of the Dog um, and the, the the continuing popularity of the slow burn. Um, I think sometimes the need to entertain the audience gets lost and so I really just, I'm delighted when something like that happens. Um, I also hardly would call this like a Hallmark film or a lifetime film because the performances are are top tier. Like the characters yeah, are yeah. each so good. Everyone in the family is incredible and the relationships they have with each other are so complicated. Um, I also really love, I love, I'm. I'm so sick of seeing dysfunctional relationships in film and it was really nice that the mother and the father are just like, a married couple that wants to like look each other's brains out. (laughs) So
0: that's something also I think that gets lost is, you know, deafness is not really it doesn't present itself. It's it's not a visible disability uh, at first, at least. Um, And then so even them, though, anyone with a disability being treated as a sexual being, being treated as alive. And parents, you know, we're we're getting to a point where parents are more and more seen as still sexually alive. But to get, you know, deaf parents who are just like, nah, girl, we gotta... We're gonna do what we want, like, go on, you're like, school. yeah, <laughs> and, then,
1: and then they talk about that too, right? Like, we have the character who says, yeah. You have this perfect life where your parent and right, and it, it was these great moments too. I think, um, you know, you get a lot of coming of age stories. This was a really interesting coming of age story, a very unique coming of age story, and I think, um, I understand so the main Quam I've heard from the deaf community is that if for a movie about deaf people, they would have preferred that the protagonist, the main character was one of the deaf characters, um, which I understand at the same time, everybody deserves to have their story told. And the child of, of a deaf family is going to have a very specific sort of struggle, um, that other people aren't like uh, my, um, one of my friends she was the child of deaf parents and i immediately thought of her and like the things that she told me about like the struggles and the way that that affected how she grew up and what she's dealing with even now in terms of trauma um like it's there it doesn't everybody has a story and everybody has a trauma and everybody has like something that is relevant and just because i haven't seen i've I've never seen another film that's about the children of deaf people, so I don't think that there's anything wrong with us I mean, telling this story. We still um,
0: haven't seen a, a film with this many deaf actors in prominent roles uh, yes. at the forefront like this. Uh, and that's additionally,
1: yeah, and, and Sound of Metal was was a great movie last year that did a great job. They're kind of like two peas in a pod, I think mm. a little bit. They both had this very similar like. And it's, it's a, you know, from a storytelling perspective, it's a very juicy sort of dichotomy of having people that are passionate about music um, yeah. com- with yes. people that cannot hear, right? It just, it's going to create a conflict an no matter what, conflict. an interesting conflict And in that, you know, from a storytelling perspective, I understand why the story was told this way. And this was the story that was told. Um, And I think there was another thing that was delightful about the story was the musical aspect of it. Like this girl, thank God they got a girl with some good pipes. Like it was really enjoyable to listen to her. I will say I went and auditioned for colleges when I was uh, in a little acting major and that was some straight up fucking cheating that also <laughs> they do like that. I think that was my first like response was like, no, oh my God, you would never show up for your audition without your music. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my God. They would never be like, okay, you'll just have to sing a cappella. They would never let a random person come into the room and just be like, I'll accompany her. Like that just wouldn't happen. And also they absolutely would not let you sing the whole song. <laughs> they it's 16 bars and then they cut you off and then you're done. doesn't matter how yeah. good you are, how inspiring your story is. Um, so that was really my only qualm. Yeah. With I Proto mean, was that like
0: it goes through the feel good beats. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's... it is what it is. It goes through the feel good. But part of what I think and, and I have heard that um, they found they thought that the story framed, you know, deaf people as a burden on their hearing family members. Um, and yeah. I that's another criticism I've heard. But and, and I, again, I can understand that. I, but I, I do think sure, they but
1: I also disagree out, that, that, I was, think that they fleshed out was.
0: the family well enough yeah. that they they were their own characters dealing with their own problems. Um, yeah, I more.
1: also right. Well, because especially because you have you had the brother character yeah. who <sighs> Okay so really to me I, you can have that criticism at the same time I don't think I necessarily agree with it because I think every family puts the members of their family into these boxes and um it is there it's not just deaf parents that will lean we'll can lean prepared. too hard on their children um and we just saw it with Encanto. (laughs) yeah absolutely and i think it's a very like common thing just like among families to to put your siblings to put your family members into these specific roles and then have to deal with it and the problems that come around when they don't fit in those roles anymore or those roles don't 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 suit them don't serve them and there's Um, a time
0: i feel like all of us feel somewhat to one point to another that uh some someone in our family is a burden on us at our point we don't admit it as you know we don't talk about it but and it has nothing to do with your abilities or anything it could be literally any reason you're just like I I need to shake my family right now, like I just, everyone has that moment, you know.
1: It also can be a larger sort of like thematic thing of like our parents' shit falls onto us. Right, one that maybe was a little bit more explicit in Coda, but like absolutely there's plenty of films that just talk about the way that there's generational trauma is a very popular theme right now and our parents' bullshit ends up just like (laughs) causing us problems one way or the other. And and, And I think they also did a very good job of addressing that, like, the burden aspect of it by having the brother be like, you need to go because i can do this and i deserve the right to be capable to have a role to for you to go out and i do i do definitely agree i like i thought the the brother was a little underutilized Mm -hmm. i think his story seems really really interesting um and i love that actor i thought he was really really good um but uh yeah i i i I really liked Coda. i thought it was a super fun engaging um Well, moving piece of film
0: moving from what the one uh hated feel good movie of cinephiles to the next at number three i have belfast Mm -hmm. um so belfast started out as the og coda for the cinephile community early in awards season when it had a lot of steam and it seemed like belfast was on its way to a best picture win people hated. I mean, it, they came hard for Belfast, but it kind of fell off. It, it started to not be as big of a contender. So they left it alone and switched to Coda. <laughs> uh, so Belfast got shelved and people stopped talking about it altogether. But honestly, what I love with Belfast and what puts it above something like Coda for me, and a lot of the other films is just, I mean, it's such a personal story. And you could evidently tell that this is Kenneth Brana's love letter to his family to his home, to his life, to Ireland. I mean, the whole thing, to Belfast. It's a Kenneth Branagh love letter and he executed it in that way. It is made with love. You can feel his passion behind it, and I think that really elevates all the material, and it made it really resonate in a way that a lot of these other films just did it. And I think that's why Kenneth Brana did deserve to be in that best director uh, lineup. I think he did deserve to be in the best screenplay lineup, and you know he ended up winning because you could feel it. I love this his use of color when little baby Kenneth Brana stand in uh was experiencing film and art uh his whole world came into color (laughs) Yes. I loved that. I thought Jamie Dornan and Catriona Belfi were wonderful as his parents, Kerion Hines and Judy Dench, wonderful as his grandparents. Yes. That little boy was a, a revelation. He was a, adorable and fantastic in this lead role. My only problem with Belfast, I watched it twice actually in theaters, once at the Denver Film Festival and then I watched it again and my second acts are tricky for me i think um (laughs) that's where the story really usually kind of falters and i think belfast uh, upon second watch it faltered a little bit for me in the second act partially because i think it doesn't do the rioting stuff quite well enough so i think when it's about the family and when it's about the kid it really sings off the page when we when we transition to the like gangstery riot. Uh, which uh, you have to include when you're (laughs) talking about Belfast Ireland at this time, uh, period. It just, uh, I don't know, like the neighbors weren't really developed at all. They were pretty like stand-in. We're going to take down this community and cause problems for the protagonist family. Without any sort of depth to them uh, or like stealing from that little supermarket and all that. Like that kind of stuff, It was, that's where I could have left it a little bit, but everything else I thought was so well done. Jamie Dornan singing uh, to his wife is like one of the, the best moments in film of 2021. It was such a like magical romantic movie moment.
1: I'm glad <laughs> Jamie Dornan has been able to yeah. ascend <laughs> above his Fifty Shades of Grey time. That <laughs> <incredible>. <laughs> he was... Yeah, paid very, I, I was about to say forced. But I was like, paid very, very well, well. <laughs> Do paid very well
0: to also then uh deny a full frontal scene because of his weird reasons. And we're like, bruh, you know what you signed down for. What are you doing? But uh that's neither here nor there, Jamie Jordan. Um you you got away with it trying to charge him an extra million dollars over Dakota Johnson or whatever it was you were doing to do uh more nudity. But uh <laughs> no. As for this, I thought I think it I think it's just, is. It's a, it's a delight film. And well, I think we, was
1: your number three,
0: yes. This was my number three and we need to get past feel good equals bad movie. Like I, yeah, that's what yeah. I want the film community to get past just because it's happy. Yes. Just because it's not so deep it feels and so like, depressing.
1: Yeah, I it feels like it'll be good. <laughs> not that feel good equals bad movie, but that depressing equals Oscar worthy, like I must be emotionally devastated at the end of a film for this to qualify as an Oscar-worthy film. Yeah. And I I think, and it's silly because it's just like, that's not been historically what happens. Like, lots of not devastating films have won Best Picture in the past. I don't, I think it was just like a pattern that emerged and then... Uh, it seems like so just can't be happiness.
0: Like even when you look at recent ones, I mean, Green Book is the outlier. We all shun it.
1: Um, but the rest, <laughs> for, like
0: Nomadland, it's not necessarily depressing. It just doesn't have emotion to it. It's just this kind of a blank, yes, feeling yeah. film. Parasite isn't depressing. I mean, Parasite is very emotionally charged, but for lots of different reasons. Than I live, um, but Happy is not really one of them. So I feel like happiness. That's they just don't want it. happy. They don't want happy. If a film is happy and wins best picture, they get mad or is in contempt. <laughs> well, it
1: might as well be in the animation category at that point.
0: <laughs> all right, Rand, what's in your runner-up
1: spot then? My runner-up spot is Nightmare Alley. Um, we we did a an episode on it, so you can hear all of my very detailed thoughts on it. But I mean, it does serve, like again, my rankings are my personal rankings, yeah. it has a lot more to do with me specifically than like what. I don't know. But that's the thing is all the voters, they it is also, also all of the votes are also personal. So it's not not like I'm I have some like set of criteria that like gives me like, oh let me score this and this. Um yeah, neighbor Alley for me personally was just like <sighs> gorgeous to watch i just so thoroughly enjoyed the experience of looking at the film of watching all the performances of that interesting war vibe just playing out on the screen um i also got extra special points for being set in buffalo um so yeah i just i just loved nightmare ellie and i think i think i generally am always gonna like have a a a special Special little boost on any Guillermo del Toro films, just because I think I think he gets me. <laughs> I think I think him and like Greta Gerwig, they like get yeah. me. I like watch the movies and go, oh god, they got me. I didn't want to like Greta Gerwig for a long time, and I was like, oh no, but she gets me. <laughs> Fine, <laughs> yeah, I'll too. give in to you, Greta. Special, Yeah, it was like Lady Bird. I was like, oh wow, this is really my life. And then saw Little Women. Right, I was like really skeptical about Little Women, and was like, I don't. Know because I had very strong feelings about it and then she did it and I was like, oh she gets me. <laughs> yeah, I <know>. no. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, Nightmare Alley. I just it, it's such a fucking gorgeous film to look at. I just it's sumptuous, sumptuous for the eyes. <laughs>
0: Well at number two, I cap off my run of Feel Goods. The film good the Feel Good movies ran four through two for me and I have King Richard. Um again, I'm a like mega <laughs> Mega big so Serena fan. Yeah. Um, and I too actually was skeptical. I was like, oh, why are we doing this? But so I was nervous. They actually did a really good job at saying very accurate. <laughs> uh, it's a very accurate depiction all the way across the board of what happened, the events. Um, some people think it was a little bit of caricature, but I'm like, uh, Richard Williams himself was a character, y'all. Like he was, much like Tammy Faye, people think that Jessica Chastain was like this caricature. No, no, she was not uh look at the real woman please and the same thing here look at richard williams he was outrageous and over the top and yeah,
1: quite annoying make a film I mean, about a whole person they're going to need to be a pretty like extraordinary a very, person a very <laughs> divisive person and the little
0: girls also looked so eerily similar to like little baby venus and Serena. I was like, Jesus. Uh, and they were great. I thought they gave great performance. On Alice. Oh, what. I fantastic. will say I
1: did not realize how much more Venus kind of was the star in their childhood. I, I had no concept of that. Yeah. I guess I kind of forgot, right? Like. She was the I older th- one. She kind of came yeah, first. Yeah. I mean, they're they're about the same age yeah. as me. So like, I was kind of like uh, growing up at the same mm-hmm. time that they were blowing up and being incredible um but i think I saw just that serena has been goat so for dominant so long for so long <laughs> that i just assumed serena was the rock she star, snatched right? that crown quick from her Wait, well and then i had to and then i had to look it up i was like what how, why isn't venus as as goat?" and then read right about like her health issues and was like oh that fucking sucks and again Uh-oh. partially she, she had
0: to contend with her sister uh most yeah. of her grand slam losses Came at the hands of Serena Williams.
1: Ooh. So, right, and that's a am so like. Eventually, they'll tell that yes, story, and I'm excited to hear that story. one as well. Yeah, of like, because yeah. there's a lot to be dug into. A lot. With, still to
0: go. That story with was just their a very relationship
1: open. and them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Like that was just one of the sister kid, was like. murdered.
0: One of the sisters we saw in this. Oh my god, gets murdered. Oh uh, my god. Later oh. in life, the one that stays oh, in Compton and yeah. a drive-by. So, I mean, there's a lot to go. still. <laughs> Uh, The whole controversy at Indian Wells where they started yelling racial slurs because Venus had to pull out of a tournament. Uh, I mean, yeah, they have a lot to go. Um, (laughs) Sorry,
1: uh, this is an audio (laughs) medium. My eyes just went wide and my jaw dropped because I've never heard that story and that's fucking appalling. Like We all know that tennis is a very, very white sport, um, which is one of the things that King Richard did a good job of pointing out. I think everybody kind of knew this, but also I don't think we think about it that hard. Um, yeah. there are two sports that are incredibly, they Absolutely are, that like are not people. actively, yeah, that are not actively meant to keep out people of color, but do both by virtue of mostly by virtue of like how prohibitively expensive they are and how like exclusive and classist they end up being. Tennis is one of them and golf is the other one. I was actually I mean, ranting I about how we should just job. get rid of golf courses because it's an outrageous amount of of water and land being wasted on richness.
0: Yeah, at least tennis cars are like, you know, nobody who comes off of these beaten down glass covered tennis courts in Compton, you know, like that's just yeah. what makes their story so amazing. Yes. I also thought it was really the editing for me really stands out in King Richard because I think it does such a good job of balancing like the editing of the tennis matches is done so well and it's really Uh like energetic but then when it pulls out of those it doesn't maintain this like hyper energetic like madness it just kind of moves the story so I I think on a technical level it doesn't get quite as much credit as maybe it deserved as well but I loved King Richard a lot more than I thought because I went in quite skeptical I was ready to like uh, look, as a fan, I was like, mm, what are we doing here? <laughs> but I ended up loving it. And I think that's why it impressed me more than I imagined. So it I, made it out there. I
1: do feel like just is a general side note, Hollywood has progressively been doing a much better job. And maybe the internet is to credit for this of taking beloved um stories. Uh yeah, let's just say beloved stories yeah. and translating them to in a way that actually makes the people who love them yes feel like oh except great. you bohemian Rhapsody but it uh, no was trash and the, well that was the part because they didn't stick to the story they were like let's <laughs> dramatize it I'm like no thank you he was no. wonderful and his band loved him and he would never do such a thing and what the fuck is wrong with you <sighs> and oh my god how fucking dare you Literally erases bisexuality. That was, when they you that, sons uh, of bitches. That was appalling. Anyway, I Freddie
0: Mercury fans across the world gasped like yeah, no. Uh that was <laughs> I don't anyway. know what the members of Queen told you behind the scenes, but yes. All right. What comes in at number one, Rin?
1: Number one for me was Belfast. Um, I I don't understand how a bunch of Cinephiles didn't love Belfast. It's a love letter to film. <laughs> like, Typically that's the one that everybody like swoons over. That's one of your like guarantee Oscar nominations yeah. sort of like angles is just be a nerd about movies and then people will give you an Oscar nomination. Um, I just loved it. I I wa- actually watched it on St. Patrick's Day. Um, oh. So it was like a little Irish uh, <laughs> history lesson. Um, Patrick had never heard anything about the Troubles. Um, oh so that was a really interesting thing was for him to learn about this which was is crazy and it's a thing that is really very recent in time and it was he it was interesting to see the very beginning of it and how it affected it and then also like so i also watched the dairy girls and highly recommend it everybody should check it out it's really funny very very uh, adorable and um It takes place in like the nineties when the troubles are still going on. So like this thing happened for like 30 years and like rocked this place. And I think I, it was really interesting. I think to get this, um, this historical context, um, for a thing that I knew happened, but I didn't, I had no real like background on like what happened, why it happened. Um, and so I thought, that belfast did an interesting job um i also saw belfast compared to um to kill a mockingbird in the way that it takes a really difficult um topic and a very fraught topic and it puts it through the perspective of a child which really i i think that was another thing that i really liked about it is that it 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 really when you do that it Gives it some objectivity that you wouldn't otherwise get yeah. um, because, you know, right. Like until Mockingbird Scout doesn't really have a concept of racism as it permeates her town. Yeah. She just so that when she's, you know, we're absorbing as she is what's happening. We are just as confused and and shocked as as this child is and i think belfast isn't quite a mockingbird um but i mean like it is this incredibly crucial piece of Kenneth Branagh's story. I think that was another thing that I really loved about it was that like, I knew that it was his story and it made me love Kenneth Branagh a little bit more that he, like, as you said, the love is there. And I I think that's again where I'm like, why didn't the cinephiles love it? It's like this clear, like love letter to film. And right. Like I loved that that everything comes alive when he's watching the movie, when he goes to the theater and he sees Christmas Carol. There's a story he's told before. In interviews about like how that's the thing that like struck a, a, a chord with him. And Judy Dench was so good with her little monologue at the end. I love that he had these um these incredibly good-looking parents that were just straight like Gene Kelly, Grace Kelly, Fred Astaire, <laughs> and like and then he like had them dance and sing. And it was like it wasn't, it wasn't knock you over the head, but it was this like feeling of classic films that he loved kind of woven into this story of his childhood. Like um, you said how
0: like I think we talked about it off camera a little bit of like how how he viewed his parents as just Yes, these yes. and that's,
1: again that that was another thing that I really like about it is that like it showed again from a child's perspective but this very complicated but ultimately loving relationship between his parents, right? Like this that this dad who fucked it up and is trying to make it right and then she fucks up trying to to make it right again and and like yeah but but like it's it's like two loving parents but they're still struggling right they still have fights they still like have to like figure out their world and their life i think there was also just like a lot of like Really interesting things there about like home what is home and like yeah. what do you do when your home becomes an unsafe place so i think it was also especially relevant because this was like not that long after the um invasion of ukraine and the, it just like sort of oh
0: when you um, watched it yeah
1: yeah and so it it becomes extra relevant in this idea of like this is the place where you live and and at what point does it become unlivable this, this place that is home when does it become unlivable um i just thought it was a beautiful film and i really enjoyed watching it the whole way through it like just struck on my little chords and i thought that kid was just so goddamn cute so just the, like most charming little child actor since the kid in minari yes. what was his name you know his uh, name right?
0: alan kim
1: <laughs> yes of course you do you have the memorized. Yeah, i love it so <laughs> Um, So yeah, so Belfast is my favorite. I just enjoyed it thoroughly. I also thought Belfast was my favorite in terms of like, in addition to being a really enjoyable film that like struck a chord with me internally, I thought it was just like a beautifully made technical film Um, and just a a piece of film in a way that like Hoda was not. Um, And it's nice to see
0: Kenneth Branagh making a film like this again, Uh, because he's coming off some rocky territory uh, i mean he made artemis fowl with judy dench as well and that was absolutely wretched um so i'm glad to see him bounce back with. doing
1: i know and he's been doing so many of these like big blockbuster yes. type films with the death um, on the um,
0: Nile now and yeah all that. It's which nice. i
1: appreciate yeah it's yeah. but i'm like i'm happy for him that he like when he sat down and did something personal, it came out and it was a really good piece of film. And
0: it got the recognition. So yeah, I mean, I people are too hard on Belfast. But
1: <laughs> are too hard on Belfast. <laughs>
0: well, my number one is Dune. If you listen to our top movies of 2021 or any of that, this should have this shouldn't be a surprise, as it was the only one of these films in my top five for that uh podcast we did. I just loved Dune. I don't know. I must I'm a, I'm a a fantasy nerd fantasy is like my weak spot in film you're generally. not
1: just a fantasy nerd you're a sweeping <laughs> epic fantasy nerd you're like give me the drama <laughs> i love high fantasy specifically which uh, is well, why i told him to watch wheel of time and he loved it. And i loved it <laughs> um,
0: so you know and this is definitely heavy sci-fi kind of like so you know it takes star wars to a different yeah. level star wars obviously inspired by dune in the first place but um you know it's a, a sci-fi How about
1: thing. dune buggies
0: <laughs> yeah uh, francis <laughs> no sir um but i really thought so just watching the original r- original film um i just think obviously this one does everything better than that uh, that one has a certain level of camp that i can appreciate and ridiculousness that i can appreciate <laughs> and weirdness but I just felt so much more invested. I maybe that's why, because people who who aren't familiar with the books, they're not familiar with the other iterations, find it cold. But I actually think that Denis Villeneuve did a much better job than we've seen even the author do in bringing actual people. To life like these then maybe they're still not quite these super charismatic super like endearing emotional people but i actually cared about like the atreides and what was happening within their family more i think we need to get rid of this idea that somebody like timothy chalamet because he's skinny and i don't know indie boy can't be a leading man in a uh, actiony type of film which if you thought dune was an action film I don't know. I don't it's really Barely. <laughs> uh, there's a couple moments where people run, run around a little gunshots every now and again, but for about two over two hours of it, it is not an action film. Um, and I think Timothy Chalamet is just fine. Skinny boys can be leads in action movies. I'm tired.
1: He also yeah. makes a lot of sense in this- he's supposed to be, like, 18. He's yeah. supposed to be, like, a kid. Right? And he's like not supposed <gasps>
0: to be this action star. Like, that's not oh, who Paul not. Atreides is. Uh, it just it's so dumb. That discourse was terrible. I was like, are you Total kidding emo me?
1: boy <laughs> makes 100% sense for Paul Atreides. It was a good <laughs> casting
0: choice. Yes! Uh, but also, we got great casting choices as, like, Jason Momoa completely bringing a character yeah. to life that nobody cares about. Yeah. Otherwise, Oscar Isaac was great as a father, yes. Rebecca Ferguson, amazing. Everybody was amazing. And then just I was completely swept up into it. I was just, I was on board. I was on that damn sand planet uh, Arrakis. I was ready to go. <laughs> I loved it. It was my favorite viewing experience of them. It was it, like you with drive my car. Other people might have found it a slog and boring, but that two and a half hours just flies by for me. I am in it the whole way. Plus I like, I like political intrigue in my fantasy. That's another thing people find to be so yeah, boring.
1: I'm uh, less into that. personally. No, <laughs> You're a lot to of people think it. it's boring. It. <laughs> I'm into the world
0: building. I'm into political stuff. And when you plug it in, i'm i'm usually on board thus you know this was my life for so long and uh
1: one of my uh, things i didn't like as much about game of thrones that i was reading (laughs) in. i was like i (laughs) don't care
0: i'm on board (laughs) some of these little side adventures right now in the books well but uh no the political (laughs) stuff i love it i'm all about it but yeah i love to dune i know it's the blockbuster choice of these awards but uh Yeah, you know, you gotta give Blockbuster a chance, Francis. I was gonna
1: say, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's technically a blockbuster, yeah. but also it's not. <laughs> and that's the Too thing. slow with not enough explosions. So people were arguing. They're like, okay, you all want
0: comic book movies, but you have Dune that made over four hundred million dollars and cost all this money. Dune is not a comic. Book. <laughs> it's not really. I mean. Uh, by definition, yes, it's a blockbuster. I guess because it cost a lot of money to make it and it's big, but it does not play out like a blockbuster film. Like uh, mm-hmm. scale wise, sure. Everything else, not so much. So. <laughs> like,
1: like Hans Zimmer doesn't do blockbusters, right? Like there's a certain level. of, I mean, it's like Christopher yeah. Nolan.
0: Whereas Christopher Nolan, yes. Technically, like Inception is a blockbuster. Even that has way more action and like craziness going on than
1: Dune. Um, I wouldn't classify Inception as a blockbuster either. It's either. big, but it's like a it's a think piece. <laughs> you
0: really have to concentrate yeah, all I mean, the it, way
1: through Inception. It depends on your definition of a blockbuster. Yeah, I think in I my know, mind, a blockbuster is something that's like specifically designed to make a lot of money and is and appeal to a very broad audience. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Dune would fall into the that mm. category. I don't think I don't think Denis Villeneuve was making it and trying to th- think of ways of making it as broadly no. entertaining to as I many don't. people as possible. I think he was definitely doing it and thinking, "How do I make this art that these nerds will not be upset about?" <laughs> Um,
0: kind of like he did with Blade Runner 2049, which is also <laughs> a big movie. It's big, it's
1: grand, but he was like. I have to assume he's also a nerd. <laughs> like, I have to assume that if it, if these are the movies he's deciding to make, that he's probably kind of a nerd. Yeah, he makes big two.
0: movies, but not like Arrival's not a blockbuster. Uh, and that's no. his other big one. Like, that's the kind of he makes sci fi, but he doesn't like make Star Wars really. I mean, you know, it doesn't make the accessible sci fi. He makes different types of science no. fiction. Film, no,
1: yeah. I feel like a blockbuster is like, it's like they, there has to be some a level of explosions involved when you, like, you can start to classify it as a blockbuster. <laughs> <My
0: bad. laughs> all right, y'all, that was it. That was our recap and little discussion of the slap and everything else that happened. At <laughs> the, Oscars. the
1: Oscars and I, the, all I of just the best love we,
0: everybody will know now, like, no other slap in history. It matters anymore. It like when the you say slap the heard around
1: the world. <laughs> everyone will
0: instantly know you're talking about the Oscars 2022 when you say the slap. Uh, and yes, yeah. that was our best picture ranking. Make sure you like, rate, follow on whatever platform you're listening and uh, follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at Cinema Snarks. Wren, where can people find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Ren Manley. Um, You know, if you really want to scream at me and avoid. You can also find me on Instagram at RennyPoo13.
0: Perfect. And you can find me at ChiliBoyYT on Twitter and ChiliBoyProductions on YouTube and Instagram. Well, can't wait to get snarky with y'all again on the next one. But until then, we'll see you later. Bye.